Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands. And uh, after years of suggestions and dozens and dozens of requests and suggestions on doing an episode about homebrewing, I finally decided that, uh, or not decided, um, realized that I should have done one a long time ago. And thankfully, Frederick has a uh, large, active homebrew club uh, called Foam, the Frederick Original Ale Makers. So we have two members of Foam, the president and, oh no, not the president, sorry, he's the secretary and... I'm the, I'm the membership coordinator. Okay, and the membership a, coordinator. He's a treasurer. Treasurer. Sec- Dang it. Well, I completely <laughs> botched that. No. Well, anyway, we have Shane <laughs> Bucklin and Thomas McNichols. McNicholas. Yep. If you would have invited our club earlier, you would have got the president and vice president, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, former president and vice president. That was that's right. So I was like just right, just mm-hmm. the wrong t- era. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, and obviously, it makes complete sense to talk about home brewing when the vast majority of the people I've interviewed and talked to over the years have gotten their start in home brewing. So it is semi ridiculous that it's taken me this long to dedicate an episode. Finally made the cut. <laughs> to, you know, it 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 really stems on um, me being lazy, <laughs> and uh, often my scheduling comes down to what ends up being the easiest to make happen. <laughs> so it's often me scrambling and just calling someone and be like, "Hey, can you come in?" right away we've gotten much more organized this year and Mm. have scheduled out farther that's why i was actually able to make this happen now (laughs) like we've we've we're pretending like we're just tiptoeing up to being professional and Uh acting like we know what we're doing that's how we act that's perfect (laughs) that's perfect so um let's talk about foam in general first and then you will get more of um you guys's backgrounds and everything um i guess to start uh how long has foam been around well foam started back in 1982 um uh you probably know the flying barrel here in town is like the one of the best uh homebrew shops around and uh the proprietor that originally started that uh bob Frank. frank frank Bob Frank, he one of the nicest guys oh, you'll ever meet. Absolutely, super genuine, super absolutely. genuine. Yeah, so so they uh, a bunch of guys started together, and uh, in '82 they started, um, and it's kept kept growing and growing and growing over the years, and now we have what upwards of 90 ish uh, members here, just in the Frederick area. Yeah, we are proud that um, we are the largest homebrew club in the state. There are a lot of clubs usually associated per county um, or associated per homebrew shops, and we've consistently had about 90, I think, at our apex, a little over 100. Yeah, I remember when um, for the newspaper's anniversary, anniversary, we brewed Red All Over with Minoxy Brewing Company, yep. and we did one of the I think it actually may have been the first tasting of it mm-hmm. where the members of foam came to try it. It was a meeting that you held here, right? Or Yeah. Yeah, we, we, were very but, for, we were very fortunate to be invited to that, and we actually mentioned that when we were in the lobby. Yeah, we okay. remembered walking down that <laughs> yeah. long hall. But there were, there were a ton of people here for that, yeah. so that was, it was really cool. I mean, it was 
was the first time I, I'd ever been see at a foam event other than like when you're serving at the um uh still point yeah still point festival on the Mm -hmm. farm and you know talking about that beer that you guys made um for the 150th anniversary of the newspaper with monocacy we haven't quite made it there yet that was for the 125th oh 125th um when you came out with the quarterly paper uncapped that was the first uh clone recipe that yeah. was offered and i've made it a couple times delicious, <laughs> delicious. yeah we um we made a homebrew version of it and doubled all the hops mm. and it was mm. really really good that sounds <laughs> great <laughs> um so it's been qu- around for quite a bit are is frank still an active member or bob frank well, he's, he's our, he? we call him the alpha and, uh, <laughs> he, he, he shows up occasionally. He always shows up to the Christmas party. Um, right. we're starting to see him less and less. Uh, he's no longer involved in the homebrew shop. James yeah. is the owner now who treats us really well. We have our monthly meetings there still. Um, but we, we see Bob here and there. And he, as you said, he's a great guy. We, we love when he's there. Are there any other original members still active in the club? Gosh, we have one or two members from the late 80s, but none as far back as Bob. He's the only one still around actively um, showing up. I never joined because I got um, not bored. I'll I'll go back to being lazy. Uh, (laughs) I got too lazy to keep home brewing Mm -hmm. and decided that I wasn't that all that great at it anyway. And it was easier just to go someplace and and buy beer. It's a bit of work. It's a bit of work. Yeah, it's a it's, labor of love. Though. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, everybody I've been brewing, I don't know, almost 20 years now, and I still make mistakes, but you're just not allowed to make the same mistake yeah. twice. So it's uh, there's there's people of all different levels in our club, some of which have PhDs in chemistry, some of which are using the kits from uh, Bed Bath and Garth, Beyond, uh, which Garth I, Patterson. Right, right. Um, <laughs> which is how I started. And then everything in between. So it, there's room for everybody. You're, you're always welcome to stop by if you'd like. Yeah, actually, I mean, the main reason I stopped was uh, had kids Mm. and that kind of Mm. like the being able to dedicate an almost an entire day to something that didn't involve them at all was became more and more difficult. So maybe once they're older, I'll dabble in it more often. That's true. Always welcome. But thankfully, I have the I have the luxury of um, breweries letting me come play with them and pretend like i know what i'm doing at the breweries to scratch that itch now right we um well we do have a couple family events throughout the year with our members uh the christmas party is open to family wife husband children Uh, we have a pool party in the summer which the whole family is invited to and and a couple other events so it it, you can make homebrew in a family affair so it's it's much more than just a um about beer well, I mean, I'm sure there's beer involved in all those other <laughs> other activities, but it there there's more to being a member of the club than just brewing beer together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of the events that we do every year had started that way. It's like a bunch of guys just had their families together and had said, "Hey, let's let's keep a, a, fa- a tradition going on." And it's like the Christmas party, the pool party. That thing's been going on since since '82, so it's a definitely a family affair. That's really cool. I, it, it, it's um, there's definitely seems to be a ton of camaraderie between phone members because like, I hear you all talk about each other constantly, <laughs> and, and so like it it's, it seems like a tight knit group. Like 
I mean, I'm sure there's people you'd like to vote off the island, and that's maybe, but, <laughs> but for I, the most part, it seems hope, like it's a tight knit. I group. hope not. It might be me that they want to vote off. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we are tight knit, and one reason why we're able to be that way is because we make sure that we have uh, a meeting every month, but then we also have events constantly and, and a variety of events. Uh, Still Point has been mentioned already, where we get to go to the farm and. Um, we get to let the public taste some of our homebrew. We do bus trips. Um, we do a pub crawl after Thanksgiving on that weekend. So we, we do a lot of things, and we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to take a real quick uh, sponsor break, and when we get back, actually, I, I want to talk about um, the Still Point Festival a little bit. Sure. It, it's been a while since I've been there, but there were some observations I've made about that. Yeah, sure. Sounds great. Chef Nico has taken the lemons handed to him and is making a big old batch of lemonade, figuratively speaking, of course. Rose House Pub will be closing down and ceasing delivery and to-go orders for a few days to make some renovations to the restaurant. Keep your eyes on their social media channels for updates on what they have next. You can bet that Chef Nico has exciting and innovative plans to best serve his valued customers during these uncertain times. So... It's been a while since I've been able to go to the festival on the farm because every single year it's on the date of something I can't get out of doing. Uh, I think, though, this year I'm actually going to be able to make it. Uh, But one thing I noticed when I when I used to go, the um, the phone booth often had the longest lines out of all of the I'll just do breweries and air quotes because it's kind of like home brewing versus the brewery so that was always uh neat to see like people are really interested in what you're doing and plus it's free it doesn't count any tokens so oh, maybe that uh, was yeah, actually that, you know it. it's kind of like a double-edged sword <laughs> there um yeah we do serve a lot of good beer and i think that really goes into um our partnership with the local breweries um uh because uh flying dog and um God rest in peace, Barley and Hops used to give some uh, some ingredients uh, to us to brew all the homebrew uh, for the Still Point oh, okay. Festival. So um, it just kind of, you know, they really support us uh, here in Frederick. So um, we get all the ingredients from them and we brew it up and we usually have 10 to 15 different beers on tap there and, and they have a wide range as well so yeah one thing that we're able to do which the brewers are not is that we're able to rotate they might have four or five kegs that they serve throughout the whole festival we try to rotate two different brewers home brewers every hour so people tend to continue to come back to us because they there's constantly different beers to try out and and we try to push ourselves and be very experimental and i know breweries do also but that's a promotional thing for the breweries as it is for us but we're willing to really take some chances and put some flavors together that the breweries might not offer at that event. Do you end up uh, getting very many new members coming up to you from that? Or how, how, how do you grow membership? I guess well, that's, that well, that's one question. thing because uh, every year at Still Point, we always have people come and it's like, oh, I brew. And I'm like, well, why haven't you been to a meeting yet? And they're yeah. like, we didn't know about you. So, um, yeah, we have cards that we give out all the time, you know, one free beer when you show up to a meeting. Of course, it's all free, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just got to bring. Don't have to know that. Just, yeah, just bring them in the door, and then then once they're there, we have them. But uh, we have we have uh, gift uh, cards, like he was saying, business cards that we hand out, and I try to stash them anywhere around town, any bar, or restaurant that has a place for cards. Uh, we promote ourselves by shirts, um, cups. We have membership gifts that comes along with membership. Something different every year. So our logo is around. Um, we sponsor. 
a couple different homebrew competitions. So they'll see our logos there. Uh, word of mouth is always the best thing, though. Um, and, and like I say, the fun events, being here, thank you. <laughs> and, and membership stays pretty consistent. The names and the faces change, but the numbers have been pretty consistent throughout the years. Uh, how, how do people become members? We should get that out of the way semi-early. Sure. So if they just do a simple search either on Facebook or online for Foam, Frederick Original Ale Makers, they'll be directed to a Facebook page, which will um, direct them to an email address for foammembership.com. And and then uh, what with foammembership at gmail.com. And then they just send me an email and I'll get back to them. I'll invite them to our email listserv so they can keep up on events. And then I'll invite them to the first meeting, and then I'll send them a PayPal invoice. So, <laughs> uh, what is the cost of membership? Um, currently, it's thirty dollars, and with that thirty dollars, we do have a membership gift. We do have meetings every month, which we diversify what we do at the meetings. It's not just sharing beer. Um, we have different brewers come in and talk about their breweries. We have sometimes educational things about different ways to chill wort and stuff like that um we're about to do a beer trivia night uh we 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 do all sorts of stuff like that discounts for our bus trip that we just oh, that had reminds me one of my friends for my 40th birthday got me a beer trivia um game set and i and i when i got that i was like oh, I'm, I'm gonna make people take a test as part of the show like end it with five questions i never got around to do that now i Got to make a okay. note for myself to get dig that out and start oh. quizzing people. When Let's not do that now. Thanks. <laughs> I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's nowhere near me, so you, you're safe. Yeah. Right, good, good. I probably don't know enough to stump you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, with, with membership does come privileges. So. And you recently, you had um, like a bus tour of, was it Montgomery County breweries recently? Yeah, Tom Tom put this one together. Yeah, and this was our second year doing the bus tour because we saw that we didn't really have any events over the winter. So Shane did the first one last year. We went to uh, Loudoun County and checked out some places by Percival and Lovitz. And then this year we went to the Montgomery County places where Dak, uh, Brookville, um, True Respite, and Elder Pine. And they were all very nice to us and very accommodating. We had a good time. You should have stopped in at Saints Row. You were uh, like a mile away. I, yeah, there was time constraints, and <laughs> yeah. we could only do so many yeah. places. So, But we, we hope to get back down there. We had a really good time. Yeah, Saints Row is awesome. I, I mean, all the other places are great. You listed, too. But Saints Row, I think, is exactly a mile down East Goody Drive from um, True Respite. Uh, yeah, it's really cool that they have so many breweries, good breweries, so close together, similar to Frederick with Idiom and, and uh, Smoketown, Creekside, and, and the other places that are popping up there. Yeah, Montgomery County went from zero to like them all over the place <laughs> in a matter of a year, <laughs> practically. Yeah, they did. Um, so the there's the um, does that membership include like the the parties too, or are those separate? Uh, it does, and actually, there's a couple members that pay the thirty dollars, and we only see them at the Christmas party because the club <laughs> provides food. Everybody brings a side dish and homebrew. Some of the breweries, uh, Flying Dog and Monocacy, also provide beer. Oh, so cool. for that thirty dollars alone, if you come to the Christmas party with your spouse and a kid or two, you get your money's worth. So that's that's a really good event. Yeah, and plus, like every February, we have our meetings at Flying Dog. They host us very graciously and. Uh, the beer is pretty cheap there, um, and 
pretty much if you pay the thirty dollars, it's worth it for that night right there. Yeah. Do they um they they make ingredients and stuff available to you at that meeting or something too, right? If I remember correctly, or um, it was more that... just for Still Point that they provide okay. all the ingredients for that. I mean, it's it's a lot of stuff that they really provide for us, so they're very gracious. That's really cool. Um, so, so what types of things do you do at the meetings at at the like the the regular monthly meetings? And are is it all just like? Do people only bring homebrew to try with each other, or is it kind of like a bottle share? No, it's it's pretty much places? like a bottle share with homebrew and and a bunch of different commercial breweries. And um, like like Tom said, we do try to do some educational um uh, episodes in there, which we may just take a style of beer and talk about it and uh, some of the more um, I guess rare styles that people don't really brew a lot of. Um, along with that, we do have our our in house competition called foam cup so we just choose four styles throughout the year um some of them are kind of different and um kind of gets people just instead of just brewing an ipa that'll go off into like a extra stout or something like that have you ever won it i yeah i was a home brewer home brewer of the year in 2014 actually yeah awesome yeah i've never won Is um is foam involved with the uh, competition at uh, the Great Frederick Fair? Yes, is- yes. We we provide uh, we do basically the oversight of it. The, okay. the fair does uh, all the registration, but we do all the logistics part of it. Like we provide judges, um, and um, yeah, that's about it. We provide the judges, and they take care of all the prizes and everything. So we have that, and there's also we do one every year. It's called Battle the Bubbles. We always have to have some little quippy, you know, name. So it's yeah. Bob, about all the bubbles. That and was with um, Barley and Hops, right? It or was. The, yeah. yeah. So Have that you found was, a new uh, host for that? Yep. Cool. yep. Old Mother actually is going to oh, awesome. be, be hosting us this year. And, and whoever wins the entire competition, they'll get there have their beer brewed there at uh, Old Mother and served every year. So, oh, very nice. so that's, a, that's a nice little nice yeah. little. Um, perk i guess oh yeah. it's, an, it's an awesome perk and the same way with the uh frederick fair that monocacy ends up uh brewing the winning beer so they've they've been very generous throughout the years also to us so let's take um a real quick sponsor break and then we get back um actually during the break maybe we could crack open one of the beers Sweet. you brought with you um and then we can talk more like what are some of the trends in home brewing and just um general home brewing type stuff sweet sounds good district east now offers curbside pickup and a personal shopper service to pick your favorite beer and wine they're instituting a policy of social distancing by bringing your order to your car their hours of operation will stay the same this is their small way of trying to reduce gatherings of large groups of people while still delivering the service their customers have come to expect you can view their inventory at www.districteast.beer to place orders, you can call 240-651-0500, as well as calling and texting 240-367-4961 and 240-367-4149. You can stay up to date with their offerings on all of their social media channels. So whose beer and what are we drinking? Okay, so the, so our president who had to skip out for work as he likes to say um he brewed this uh, this ipa so he wanted it to be a hazy ipa but it did it kind of filtered out kind of yeah, clear but not hazy but it's a uh, very fruity and 
came out well. So this is Josh Ware's IPA. I mean, it's still, I mean, it still has the flavor profile, the hazy, though. It's with the juiciness. and Yeah. So definitely Bruce Testament. To, I can't remember what brewery it was, but it was a few years ago. I read like the guy ranting about how you don't have to make ugly, in his opinion, ugly beer um, that you can have clear beer that tastes exactly the yeah. same. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of funny because, you know, many years ago when, uh, I don't know if you know Stone and Joy Buy, they yeah. have this uh, a series going on. And I would, Josh and I was trying to brew like a clone of that. And I kept, we kept brewing it. And then like mine would just like, we brewed the same beer, then we used different yeast and mine would not clear up. And I was like, what is going on here? This was before the big haze craze. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, there's something wrong with this. I can't clear it up. And now everyone wants a hazy beer. And it was all about the yeast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are uh, some of the biggest trends in home brewing now? What do you think, Tom? Well, I mean, definitely everybody's trying to make the beer of the moment, and the hazy IPAs are definitely really popular right now. And that's pushed by the breweries because breweries can turn those over pretty quick from the time that they start producing the beer to the time that they can put it on tap. So because that's what is available to us, that's what we tend to drink. Um, The IPAs, I mean, I remember a couple years ago, the Cascadian Darks, the black IPAs were a big thing. And now it's the hazy IPAs, and we'll see what type of IPA is next. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people now are really experimenting with different yeast strains. Um, Ones that, uh, like before, you'd have to really have really good controls on keeping it cooler uh, like for lager, lagers and uh, and pills yeast, uh, but now uh, there's certain yeast strains that you don't need that big temperature control. Uh, it can ferment up to like Was 90 degrees. Quebec, Quebec, so. yeah, that's a that's a good strain for, and that's a lot of in this. Uh, I don't know if it, he didn't use that in this, but yeah, that's that's a big craze too. I I think that's gonna be like this year's brewed IPAs. Oh yeah, oh the yeah. brewers just gonna come and go quickly because. Yeah, I, like I like some of them, but for the most part, I don't. I'm not a big fan. Some of them, of them are like overly fruity. I, well, you know, and like, I, I um, I had one recently. I can't remember where I was. I really liked it. Um, and they explained to me that it, it the difference probably is that it needs to be kept at that higher temperature, yeah. and a lot of breweries don't keep it at that higher temperature, so they don't. It doesn't taste as good as if it's used properly. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Actually, we had one at Elder Pine on our bus tour, and they had a pretty pretty good one down there. Yeah, no, I mean they probably did a good job. Cause yeah, they definitely like to do the m- more obscure type of uh, brewing. Yeah, yeah, they did well with it. Yeah, their stuff was good. Um, but talking about trends in home brewing and talking about temperatures, um, one thing that, as Shane mentioned, it's really hard for temperature control for most home brewers, or historically it has. But a lot of the big um, homebrew sites that uh, provide equipment and, and ingredients have really went out of their way to try to produce better equipment for homebrewers where they can actually control the temperature a lot easier now if it's either electric or different fermenting systems that they offer. Uh, it, it's really become easier for homebrewers to start doing lagers, which used to be difficult. So Tom, what does your homebrew system look like? So my homebrew system, uh, as I mentioned, I started out with a Mr. Beer kit. I think my mother-in-law bought me like 20 years ago, and I eventually went up to um, brewing on a stovetop, five-gallon batches, and then after a couple boil-overs with that, my wife is like, that's not going to work for us anymore. <laughs> no and, and I slowly started to build up a little bit each year, 
Um, and now I have a 10 gallon system and I use two actual kegs that I've turned into okay. um, a brew kettle. And then I have for my, my, my mash tun is just an igloo cooler. So that's what I'm working with. Uh, everything just works over open flame uh, with a Bayou Classic um, and propane. But you do electric, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's one thing about this about this hobby is you you've got a, you have an artistic side where you can just play around like a chef with all kinds of different ingredients. And then you can actually geek out so hard. And that's what I did. I completely geeked out on it. That, so that was part of wanting to avoid continue home brewing is because i'm one of those people that if like, i get into a hobby i'm the gear nerd the gear head, that yeah. yeah and end up spending way too much money on any hobby i get so it's kind of like a self-preservation thing yeah well <laughs> you probably saved yourself because i completely geeked out i have a, a three vessel system it's all 15 gallons um and it's all electric it's all computer controlled and I can just basically hit a button, and it, it'll measure everything out, like water temperature, and then transfer everything over, and I'll show up, and it'll be boiling. So <laughs> it's it's. Does that take the fun out of it at all, though? No, um, I, I think it. There's a there's a control element to it, so you can yeah. you can do like the same recipe and have the same outcome every time. So it's consistency, and two, it allows you like. Like you were talking about time and the kids, that's really why I did it because, you know, I have small kids or had that at that time and I could just let it go and I could still go like mow the grass or yeah. do other things and I wouldn't have to worry about being there all the time. Can you control it from your phone? Um, well, the app kind of went away, but uh, used to be able to, but yeah, not anymore. But. That's the problem with connected things, like one, especially if they rely on a service that yeah. once that... Um, overarching company goes under or something and you lose yeah. that feature yeah you're kind of stuck yeah one thing about the hobby as you were mentioning is that it, it can get as expensive but it gets as expensive as you allow it to get um i've had some really good beers with some really cheap systems um and i've had some really bad beers from some really expensive systems yeah. so people can get into it as much as they as much as they want and yeah my problem is i'm much more shamed than <laughs> <Tom>. that's <laughs> that might not be a bad thing because yeah. <laughs> that's what I was constantly looking at, just surfing the web, looking at yeah. Blinkman complete oh, systems. Yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's always stuff out there, and um, always search through um, Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, and you can steadily, slowly get a better system. So, yeah. it, When um, we did an episode with Gearhouse, and oh. he, he started brewing at Flying Dog, um, then he went to Trogues and then he recently upgraded. So I need to have him back on again because he recently upgraded ev almost everything at the brewery. And that's so he's had like the game. His original was all manual, like a smaller. So he's had the gamut of at Flying Dog, you know, like somewhat automated, yeah. but still a lot of manual controls to push a button and the beer's brewed <laughs> back to backbreaking and, and he said he, he longed for the trogues days yeah just pushing a button and automation's pretty nice i'm not gonna lie yeah i like when i i've been to trogues and they actually have the original homebrew system yeah, that the guys started the, out uh, with in the gift shop yeah area. it's pretty cool and uh well with the brewery around here uh midnight run they actually built their own vessels yeah. to brew in so that's pretty cool yeah with the original old mother was all built by yeah, them too. oh that's they right built all their original equipment 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. They actually were very kind and just spoke to, at our meeting last month or the month before. One of those months. So Which they, ones? Old Mother Old came yeah. by. They're great guys. Yeah. yeah and I mean, well, Midlight Run basically is just they let their home brewing habit grow out of control and they, That's right. they just needed to start selling <laughs> stuff so <laughs> to keep their habit. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, we've had quite a few. You mentioned that uh, a, a gear house brewer was at Flying Dog first. We've had a couple brewers from our club actually go on to. Um, we've had a couple work at Flying Dog. We've had some start their own breweries, uh, Mad Science, um, Barnhouse Brewery. Those the, they used to be members. Where's Barnhouse? I'm not familiar. With it's them. down in Lovettsville, or okay, or Luckett's. It's, it's in Luckett's down there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're driving down to Vanish, go a little bit past Vanish, and they're on the left. Oh, I think I have seen that, like, as I was driving by, but then I'll have to check them out sometime. Yeah, a little bit off the beaten path, but it's well worth the visit. Yep. All right, we'll take um, one final uh, sponsor break, and then I have a couple other, couple other questions about trends and what's big in home brewing now. Great. Vanished Farmwoods Brewery may have to close their tap room, but you can still get their beer to go. They will be open for to-go beer sales of four packs and crowlers seven days a week from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please follow them on their social media channels for up-to-date information. At Vanish Beer on Instagram and at Vanish Brew on Facebook. So another big trend like at breweries is fruited kettle sours. Is that something that's done much in home brewing or is that going to a level of complication that most home brewers don't want to tackle well i i think that i think it's getting more and more popular because uh we actually had sapwood uh sellers from columbia come out and he's like you know the sour king yeah and, and uh and he he gave us a lot of good uh techniques how to not really do a kettle sour but just to use yeast and and uh, i guess brett and different um bacteria just in the bottles itself so i think they're coming around um, but I've never done a kettle sour because it's been kind of like faux pas to have a sour in your homebrew system because, the, you know, the thinking was once you get the strain in the, in your system, you're not going to get it out. But um, uh, I've never done one myself. Yeah, I've I've never done one at, at my house. I'm afraid to have that in my system. But as, as Shane was saying, and I don't know if everybody understood the technicality there, yeah. but if you have a bottle of sour and there's a little bit of trub like in the bottom, you can then make your own sour beers, which aren't sour at first, but then use that little bit of trub in each individual bottle, and that'll keep your system clean, but it'll also yeah. sour the beer. So home brewers are quite... Uh, innovative when it comes to ways to try to mimic or clone what they're doing at the commercial level but so the the kettle like fruited kettle sours with lactose and all, all that popular style isn't necessarily popular with home brewing it's at least not in our club yeah. there's there's a few guys that are experimenting with it right now but uh yeah i, I just never really been into it so i'm i'm kind of a bad person to talk about that stuff so. yeah again i've never been part of that but i do know that as shane was saying a couple guys have bought a 55 gallon barrel and then they each brew five or ten gallon batches individually put them all in the barrel and oh, then cool. let them sour so that's another way that the club can small groups can collaborate with inside the club yeah you just get a smaller barrel yeah, yeah. Would be <laughs> it takes a lot to fill that <laughs> fill that big barrel up, but they've done that a few times, and I think they've yeah. they've had some pretty good results out of it at least. So, hey, McClintock always has gin barrels <laughs> and uh, <laughs> cognac barrels that they're selling that are, and they only use thirty five or thirty 
thirty gallons, I think. Yeah. So way easier to, yeah. <laughs> to manage. <laughs> I know once in a while, Heavy Seas also has some 55-gallon barrels that I forget where they get them from originally, but they'll only use them once to make sure that the flavor is exactly what they're looking for, and then they always sell them used. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's ways for us to try to mimic what they're doing at the big levels. Um, what do you think uh, is going to be one of the biggest trends this year? both in home brewing and breweries as a whole style wise i guess mainly style wise you know i'm i'm starting to i don't know if this is style wise but i think it's kind of cool you're starting to see more and more collaborations between breweries now i know there's some laws about collaborations across state lines but even when when local breweries or breweries within the state can get together. I know we had Kushwa talk, uh, come and talk at one of our meetings, and they do a lot of different yeah. um, collaborations, and I, I think that's good. I think that, that promotes the brand to a different group of people that might not know of, of one of the brands, and I, I like the collaborations. I'm always, always big on buying a collaboration can or bottle and, and try it out. I kind of think it's going to come full circle. It's going to go back to the West Coast IPA. Because, uh, you know, everyone's into this haze craze, you know, low bitterness and very fruity. But uh, I, I go to San Diego a bit, and once I go out there and I have a good West Coast IPA, it's like it's like coming home almost. <laughs> so I, I think it might come full circle, and you might start seeing some more classical styles being, being brewed out and, and kind of going back to the basics. I 100% agree. That's, yeah. that's what I think. Because I've already started to see that a little bit. There's a, way more breweries are releasing like i I couldn't even remember the last time you saw a brewery come out with a new west coast ipa but more and more frequently people are coming out with new ones and promoting them more than they ever had yeah yeah it's just it's just a flavor that that you haven't had in a while and i think it's 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 going to come full circle and for the longest time i think there were people saying that they were sick of hazies or they're fatigued by hazies but I think for the longest time, those were a lot of the, um, I liked the band before it was popular type people. Um, but the, it seems to be a much more growing sediment and it. And I wouldn't say I'm tired of them, but every time I have a super bitter IPA now, I'm like, wow, I used to really love these. Yeah. Why don't I drink these more often? Yeah. They're just not, they're just not widely available anymore because everyone's into the haze craze, but. Mm. That's true. It's it's just one of those things that everybody's trying to do something different because the market is becoming crowded at the commercial level and everybody's trying to do something different than everybody else. But, you know, it's like with ice cream, just make a good vanilla. And I think that they should get back to just making good beers that they know that everybody likes that got people interested in the craft beer movement in the first place. And that was definitely the IPAs. Yeah. And the beauty of homebrewing is if you don't have a good West Coast IPA out there, you can brew your own. So you can do what you like. That's right. So what is that? What is it about home brewing that attracts you guys? Uh, we'll go with you first, Shane. Uh, well, I, th- I think I got started in it like a lot of guys back in the late '90s when we kind of like had a beer desert, if you will. Um, there just wasn't a lot of good beer out at yeah. that time. So we started brewing things that we liked and started pushing the envelope. And um, that's the part that I like about it. Like if. Like if I don't have a really good, like I said, a good IPA out there anywhere, I have a list of recipes that I know I can go back to and I can, uh, and I can brew it and I have a good beer there and I can share with, share with all my friends too. So 
Tom? Yeah, I, I think for me that uh, everybody needs a hobby, whatever your job is. And everybody in the club, our 80 members or so, we, we come from all different fields. And, and we all found this is a hobby. And it's a pretty darn cool hobby. Not only is it something that you you can make and then you, you have for yourself, but it's something you can bring to, to parties. It's something you can share with friends and family on holidays. And, and it's just really cool. I mean, if for, for centuries... A beer has brought people together, and it's just something now that we're we're taking part in. So, anyone looking to get into home brewing, how what would you recommend is the best way to go about it? Well, the internet is pretty incredible at this point. You can find a video pretty much about anything, and um, you can get a, get a lot of good resources on the American Homebrewers Association website. I think it's I just search for that. It's a very long address. So they have a lot of good tips on there about how to get started, just the basic process to begin with, uh, be what kind of uh, equipment you would need. And uh, see, like, we're a great resource uh, as, as a club. Uh, you know, you can come out. You don't have to join. You can ask questions. And everyone's willing to help here. So that's uh, our club is probably like the best resource that I can think of. That's what that's what I was going to say. If you're interested in starting, please send an email to foammembership at gmail.com. Please come to the Flying Barrel um, on March 2nd, 7, 7 o'clock. And we would love to have you and talk to you and share some beers and see how much you want to get into it. Yeah. So, so the first Monday of every month is our typical meeting day. Uh, at the Flying Barrel at 7 p.m., just like Tom said, every Monday, uh, first Monday of every month. Does Flying Barrel still do the brew on premises? premises? Yeah, yeah, he still has a pretty good, uh, uh, I guess, business doing that. So they're always there on Saturday and Sundays doing that. So yeah, they were the first one in Maryland to do brew on premise, not just sell ingredients. And they definitely on Saturdays, that place is packed. I think they have maybe five or six different brew vessels, and they're they're always people in there brewing there's people coming in that brewed a couple weeks prior that are bottling uh they're they're still a pretty good place to go yeah because i kind of feel like that's a great way to dip your toes into home brewing because you don't have to make a mess at your house that's right yeah and and, and you don't have to buy any equipment you just go there it's a flat fee right it's true yes a a flat fee for all the ingredients and hops yeah Um, and i think you get to take home several different kinds of beers at the end too it's like a class that jim that james does yeah yeah and you can you if you have your own bottles you can bring your own bottles if not you can buy them from james um it's he's he's definitely a good source i started brewing in oregon actually and that's what for christmas my wife actually got me a certificate to brew with a bird a homebrew shop and that that was the first time and just took a lot of notes and then from there i've been doing it on my own so your first batch of homebrew shane was it good or was it awful it was okay um that was back i was doing an extract brew which took like basically malt syrup and you know heat it up in water and and i had to bottle it up it was one of those kits and it was an amber ale i remember but it was it was decent it's not as good as i do now but yeah it was good tom um <laughs> he's un- smiling unfortunately i'm not aware of how my first batch was because i overcarbonate it with the mr beer kit you're supposed <laughs> you to a put a little bombs. bit of sugar in the bottles and i was at work and my wife said that mm-hmm. it sounded like world war three as all the <laughs> bottles were exploding in the basement i didn't have any of my first batch it smelled good uh, when i had to clean it all up but i, I didn't taste any <laughs> 
Classic. I mean, I think we can chalk that up to awful then. <laughs> is there any way we can edit that out? Nope. Is, we don't edit. It's That's way too much work. And yeah. as I've referenced several times, we are lazy. That's right. That, um, I, the first time I, I homebrewed was at the Flying Barrel. Um, bottled once and that was when i went and then went out real quick to buy a kegerator oh, and then yeah. never bottled again because sorry uh, bottling is miserable way too much work <laughs> yeah i'm allergic to work so <laughs> yeah, referencing back to the laziness yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's one of those things that a lot of homebrewers do eventually go to a kegging system but when it comes to the homebrew competitions you still have to submit yeah. bottles so we all bottle a little bit but usually the least amount possible yeah. Yeah, I didn't care. It was, I went straight to <laughs> straight to a kegerator. That's what I did. I was like, after the first batch, I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah, and 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 a big thing it was too. My first batch was undercarbed. Although then after I found some like a six pack that had been sitting around forever, and I opened those and they just gushed all over the place. Um, I didn't have any bombs though, so. <laughs> I'm glad none of these beers gushed on your computer when we opened them. <laughs> it wouldn't have been the first time. It's amazing it doesn't stink horribly in the studio. We've, I've dumped so much beer on this uh, this tablecloth and on my laptop, so it's amazing it still works. Um, what's your favorite style of beer to brew? Uh, well, I'm still into the haze. I, I, I am part of the haze craze, so I, I do really like brewing a good New England IPA, and that's what I've been brewing a lot of lately, so... Um, I did that, and then what was that before that? Yeah, basically that for for me. Tom? Yeah, I brew a lot of IPAs also. Um, One thing recently is that there's a lot more varieties out there coming from all over the globe, and and I've really been experimenting with single hops and brewing a batch of beer, but then because I do 10 gallons, I'm able to put five gallons each in two different carboys, and then I just hop them differently, and I, I really do like the hops also. What is your number one tip to a new home brewer? I would say take notes. As, as I mentioned earlier, you're allowed to make mistakes. You will make mistakes, but there's no excuse for making the same mistake twice. Um, brewing is sometimes cheaper than if you were buying uh, two cases of commercial beer, but that can still be $40, $50, $60, and you don't want to throw all that away because yeah. of a mistake that you made the last time. So definitely take notes. Yeah. There's a reason why brewers have logs and keep <laughs> track of everything while they're brewing. That's right. Yeah, really. I would say brew with somebody because, you know, get a buddy brewer because yeah. uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge that they would have that's like, oh, you probably want to sanitize that. You might want to be cleaner on this. You know, it's it's good to have someone to, to step you through the yeah. first few times for sure. Yeah, it's better if they've already made the mistake so yeah. you don't have to make it, just Learn like your mom them. would tell you, right? Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from them. Uh, Tom, what is your current favorite Maryland beer? Oh, wow. Um, actually, just yesterday... I don't, I, yeah, just yesterday I was at Flying Dog to buy their limited edition barrel-aged gonzos that they sell, and they have a really good cookies and cream right now, which I, I didn't, I was like, oh, it's a gimmick, who knows, but it was really, really good, and I tasted one of their, it was like a Bloody Mary beer also that was really outstanding. Um, I, I really like their rarity series, and mm. there's very few beers that they've ever put out that that i have not liked but they're i i really like that cookies and cream right now hmm. shane it's a good question um 
I don't know. Locally here, I, I, my guava, no guava from Attaboy is like it's, 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 it's like one of my favorites that I that I always like to go to. And I, you know, if I want one, I'll, I'll just go grab it. So that's probably my favorite right now. Gosh, there's there's so many. Idiom also, when we had our officers meeting there at the end of last month, they had a rye IPA. I forget the name of it, but that was really good. Raise so, your eyebrow. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they. I mean, that was really good, and you can tell that was doing well because they actually ran out of it on draft, and they uh, had to crack open their cans to <laughs> to pour it at the bar. So that that's really worth a worth a try, also. Yeah, that's one. Uh, that's one of his regular beers. So mm. it's not always on tap, but he has it around fairly regularly. It's one of his cores. So I know you have a uh, list of notes of things that you were to bring up. um, Uh, I believe dates and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go go over those things? Sure. A couple things we have coming up. If anybody is interested in checking us out, our next meeting that uh, is open to the public, anybody who wants to stop by, is at March second at the Flying Barrel. That would be the next one. Will be uh, April second. Sorry. This probably won't come out for about a month. Yeah, April something. <laughs> oh, April. Well, the yeah. first Monday in April. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, we have that. Um, there's an event that goes on down in D.C. on March 28th called the Brewer's Ball, and they allow us to uh, serve homebrew there also. Oh, cool. So our club will be there along with one of the clubs from Baltimore. That um, may or may not have already happened. So oh, shoot. You just probably, told me no March. Well, I'm sorry. I, who, I, who knows <laughs> what happens? Um, but also, but it was. Pr- I, I hope you had a great time. Uh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, and then we have the Battle of the Bubbles is coming up, which is in May, April, and May. So that definitely one is check safe. that out. Yes, definitely <laughs> check safe. that one out. Um, yeah, and old, old Mother does a great job on social media of keeping people apprised uh, of what's going on. So yeah, and too, you know, you can check out the website because we do. Um, in I think it's in May time frame. It's a big brew day. It's, it's like the American Homebrewers Association big brew day. Okay. And uh, Josh, our president, Josh Ware, is going to be hosting it at his house. So um, there'll be like six, seven, eight, ten, twelve people up there brewing cool. in his in his driveway. So and that's <laughs> you know the big um, the uh, aspect that you know camaraderie comes into play because yeah. we you know it's it's a lot of fun. We usually we used to do a st patrick's day brew day but it's a little too cold sometimes uh well yeah it's when in there march uh when winter starts here now yeah, yeah so. exactly so so should we give out josh's address and <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. why not just dox him why not yeah you want his phone number that's <laughs> oh, right um so foam membership at gmail.com people should contact if they are interested in becoming a member uh the first monday of every month usually at uh flying barrel Barrel. occasionally at other locations that's correct and if it's different it'll be on our facebook page which uh if you just go to f-o-a-m.org uh it'll link on it's kind of weird but it'll (laughs) uh it'll it'll uh, hyperlink you straight to our facebook page where we'll have a long list of the events and everything and it's open to the public so um if it's different it's it's listed there okay Gentlemen, I want to thank you for giving me some of your time. I apologize that it uh, took me so long to uh, do an episode about home brewing. So I, I greatly appreciate uh, your time, and thank you for bringing the the stout. Was also really good that we tried. Josh will um, be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you everyone for watching and listening. Well, great. Th- thanks for the time, and uh, and thanks You're for having welcome. us. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers.
Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my god, that's good.